Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gold and Silver. I'm Teddy Silverman. Unfortunately, Molly will not be here with us today, so it's just me. Um, I'll be giving the rundown. We're doing football today. We're doing baseball, college basketball because it's March, and of course hockey. So stick around. Okay, first, just starting with baseball. Okay, first, just starting with baseball, Major League Baseball finally ended the lockout as the Players Union and Major League Baseball's owners were able to agree on an agreement finally. This includes a 12-team postseason, which I'm very excited to see. Maybe the Mets will finally make the playoffs. A universal DH, which will be interesting for the National League, and a six-team draft lottery. So, basically... What I think is interesting about the draft lottery is NHL already has a draft lottery. NBA already has a draft lottery. NFL does not have a draft lottery. But now Major League Baseball has like kind of a draft lottery, only including the first six teams, though, rather than like all the teams that missed the playoffs, which is what they do in the NHL and NBA. But that's interesting. It's just great for baseball to be back. Only two series were canceled this year. So April 7th, opening day. Great. I'm excited, personally, because it's been so long, and to just miss baseball season would be awful, but we're going to get it just one to two weeks later than we had originally hoped for. Now on to football. Earlier this week, the Broncos traded... Drew Locke, no tight end, no offense, uh, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round selection to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick. So um, this is definitely an upgrade at the QB position for the Broncos. The question is just how big of an upgrade is this? I do think that the AFC West right now is the best division in football, has the best QBs. So that's where I'm questioning this decision. I don't know if it's a big enough upgrade for the Broncos to be successful. They'll definitely have a shot at making the playoffs. But even if Russell Wilson plays better than he did this year, which is not a great year for him, I could still easily see them coming in last. So that's why I question this deal. I don't know if it's a huge upgrade and I don't know if it's worth it. This, I think it's interesting when you think about this with the Steelers because the Packers also re-signed Aaron Rodgers. So now two of the Steelers' top options to be QB next year are not possibilities. So this is where I start to question things for the Steelers. Personally, I think they should draft somebody next year and either play Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins this year. But it's an interesting situation because the Steelers now are in a tough place. They need to ask themselves, do we draft somebody this year? Do we sign another QB? But there aren't a a lot of great QB options now, especially with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers being off the table. So I think the Steelers should wait a year because I believe that next year's QB class will be better. Now on to hockey. Nothing's really changed. Rangers are still third in the division. Islanders are still in sixth. Um, Islanders won a few consecutive games recently. 
But then at the same time, the question is, can they maintain consistency? If they can maintain consistency, they can possibly make the playoffs this year. However, that is something that the Islanders have been lacking this season and something that they've seriously struggled with. So I'm interested to see if the Islanders can maintain consistency. That is something they've really struggled with. But the Islanders also had a shutout the other night, which was nice to see. I just, it's, it, it really is a question of if the Islanders can maintain consistency or not. And we will have to wait and see. But again, just the Rangers are third in the division. They've maintained consistency throughout the season. Have a good record, 36, 17, and 5. So, yeah, we'll just have to see if the Islanders can maintain consistency. But looking much better for the Rangers right now than the Islanders, as it has been for the majority of this season. Now on to college basketball. This is something we've all been waiting for. It's championship week. It's March. This Sunday is going to be the selection show. But right now, conference tournaments is the main focus through all the Power Five conferences in the Big East. Um, Starting with the ACC, tonight is the Atlantic Coast Conference Final. That's Virginia Tech against Duke. Semifinal last night, Duke uh, beat Miami 80 to 76. And Virginia Tech beat North Carolina 72 to 59. Virginia Tech beating North Carolina, I personally was surprised to see because North Carolina has been playing very well recently. Um, But at the same time, Virginia has come up of recent and they're making a push for the tournament there in the bubble. They're a bubble team right now. So, yeah, this is a big deal. Um, In the Big Ten semifinal today, Iowa versus Indiana, Michigan State versus Purdue, Illinois and Wisconsin both losing last night. That's going to be big for tournament seeding. Um, in the Big 12 right now, final today, Texas Tech against Kansas. Baylor lost on Thursday in the quarterfinal, and that is a big deal because Baylor was a projected one seed, but they might fall now to the two slot after losing in the quarterfinal because that, especially with Kentucky and Duke, if they win their conference tournaments, I could definitely see Baylor falling. Um, yeah, uh, Kansas, Texas Tech today in the final. Could go both ways. Um, Big East final now, Villanova-Creighton. Villanova beat UConn, which was – either team could have won that game. But Creighton destroyed Providence last night, which I was very surprised to see because Providence has played very well this year. They were the one seed in the Big East for the first time ever, I believe. and. It was a little, a little shocking, I'm going to be honest. Um, but now in the Pac-12 final, you got UCLA against Arizona. These teams have been two of the best teams in the conference all season, with Arizona being far above the rest. But then you got UCLA and USC. Uh, UCLA-USC split throughout the regular season, 1-1, and then UCLA won last night. Um, into the SEC, this is interesting. Semifinal today, Texas A&M against Arkansas at one, and Kentucky against Tennessee at three. I'm very excited to watch this Kentucky-Tennessee game because these are, in my mind, the two best teams, arguably, in the SEC. At least two of the best teams in the SEC, if not the two best teams in the SEC. Um, I think whoever wins that game is going to 
win the SEC tournament. They split in the regular season. So that is going to be interesting to watch. Definitely excited to see that. It's going to be a close game. Auburn lost yesterday to Texas A&M. So now that's Auburn's fifth loss. They were number one in the country at one point with only one loss up to a few weeks ago. Now they've lost one game every week. So what is happening with them? I don't know. They were the one seed in the SEC. So that was, it's not good for Auburn. It's going to hurt them tournament seeding wise. Now onto tournament seeding. Projected one seed Baylor has already lost. Joe Lenardi still has Baylor at the one seed, but I think they're going to fall. And I think what's going to happen is whether Duke or Kentucky wins their respective tournament, that person will jump to the number one. Now what's con- what's interesting is if Duke and Kentucky both win their tournaments, which could definitely happen, who goes to the number one? There, It's a back and forth because... Duke has fewer losses because Kentucky has six losses. Duke has only five. Kentucky played a, a tougher strength of schedule, so it's a back and forth. I do think Duke and the ACC as a whole have been disrespected this year. Yes, they're not having their best year, but even though it's a down year for them, they still have a solid conference. They have five or six teams making the tournament this year, and this is a bad year for them, but that's still good for an average conference. Just like for the average conference, five or six teams is good. This is not a bad conference. Duke has a few losses in the ACC, four losses in the regular season this year. But every single team that they've lost to, they've also beaten in the ACC. And that comes last night after beating Miami, who beat them in the regular season. So if you take it one by one, the first team that Duke lost to in the ACC was Miami. They lost by two at Cameron. Last night, Duke won by four in Brooklyn, ACC tournament. So then Duke's next loss came in Tallahassee when they lost to Florida State by one point in overtime. Then when they came to Cameron, Duke beat Florida State by 18. There's just like a clear swing that you see here. Duke also lost at Cameron to UVA by one point, 69-68. And then a few weeks later, at UVA, they won by four. Carolina, they lost the last game of the regular season to. 94-81. 94-81. They were hoping to play them in the ACC tournament final, as Paolo Vincaro said. They wanted to settle the score after that, that loss, because that was their worst loss of the season. However, even though Carolina lost last night and is not in the ACC tournament final, Duke already beat Carolina this season three weeks prior to their loss, or about a month prior to their loss, by 20 in Chapel Hill. So I don't think it's a question of if Duke can beat these ACC teams. And these are not bad teams, again, I would like to reiterate. Some of these teams are tournament teams. They're all solid teams. Even though some of them are underperforming, they still have great rosters, great coaching staffs. These are teams that can turn it on when they have to. On to the Carolina loss, which was, I think, Duke's worst loss of the year. This was Coach K's final game. I don't think this speaks to Duke as much as, like, how much pressure was put on, like, almost the meeting. People weren't focusing on the game. The game was almost an afterthought for everybody, in my opinion. People were so focused on Coach K's final game and that 100 former Duke players came. It was more focused on the ceremonies and not the game, whereas Carolina was laser-focused on the game. They wanted to spoil the party. They wanted to beat Duke. And that's the beauty of the rivalry between Carolina and Duke. doesn't matter how good one team is in the rivalry and how bad one team is one season. Any given day, the other team can win. 
regardless of the situation. But I don't think that speaks to the quality of Duke this year and the quality of Duke's roster and the way they've played this year because of that one bad day where there were a lot of emotions and just like a lot of outside factors that were not focused like on the game. So I think that speaks more to the fact that the team and really everyone except Carolina wasn't as focused on the game. And credit to Carolina because that was a great game they played. They they did a great job. But I don't think that speaks to the quality of this Duke basketball team because of that one bad day. So really, when you look at this and the fact that Duke has beaten all of these ACC teams, even the ones that have beaten them, they've either avenged the loss or in the case of Carolina, because Carolina did not make the ACC tournament final this year, they beat them prior to their loss on the road. And I'd like to note in the games that Duke has beaten these opponents, they've outscored them versus the times that they've lost to them. Again, I'm just going to reiterate, they lost to Miami by two at Cameron, and then in Brooklyn last night, they won by four. I know that's a small margin, but it's still a margin. It's a tiny margin they lost by and a slightly larger margin that they won by. Um, When you look at Florida State, this is the biggest margin. They lost by one point in overtime in Tallahassee on January 18th. And then at Cameron on February 19th, they won 88 to 70. That's a 17-point swing. A 19-point swing, I should say. 17 points more than what Florida State won by in Tallahassee. Then when you look at UVA, on February 7th, UVA won by one point at Cameron on that three-pointer at the end of the game. Not a buzzer beater, but point three left on the clock after that shot. They then go to UVA and win three weeks later on the 23rd of February, 65-61. Again, small margin of victory, but also even smaller margin of loss. And then Carolina on March 5th, they lost, they, Duke lost to them 94-81. to However, on February 5th, Duke won 87-67 in Chapel Hill. So I do think that speaks to this Duke team and that when they avenge their losses or in their first win, they outscore their opponents. Of course, they outscore their opponents, but what I'm saying is their margin of victory is larger than their margin of loss. So really, when you think about the fact that they've avenged all these losses, Duke is really the only team that they have not been able to avenge the loss with because they've only played them once is Ohio State. So really what Duke is being punished for, if you think about it primarily, is their five-point loss to Ohio State in the end of November, November 30th. So the fact that Duke is being punished for one five-point road loss in November against Ohio State, who's not a terrible team, they're not great, but just like the fact that that is the only loss that they have not avenged. So when you think about it that way, they have a pretty good strength of record, of course. Strength of schedule is where they suffer, but the t- but they have played opponents strong opponents. They played Gonzaga. They played Kentucky. They beat them both. And I think that's key. They beat Kentucky. So Kentucky and Duke, when you're looking at the head-to-head, yes, Kentucky is a stronger strength of schedule. Duke, however, has a stronger strength of record. They've avenged all of their losses or beaten a team that that they've lost to, in the case of Carolina, at least once this season, with the exception of Ohio State, who they lost to by five points in November. 
and Duke also beat Kentucky in the head-to-head matchup. So if I think it gets, I think if it gets to the point where it's, should we put in Duke or should we put in Kentucky on the one line? I think you have to put in Duke because strength of record and the fact that Duke has already beaten Kentucky this season. I think head-to-head is key in this case. And I think this is a disrespect to Duke team. They could easily disappoint, I think, of course, like many teams could. They, They could go out early. But I also think they could do a great job in this NCAA tournament. I think they could go far. I think they have the potential to go far. And I think if they play as well as they've played at points this season, I think they could be cutting down the nets in New Orleans this year. Not saying they're going to, but I'm saying they have the potential to do so. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Stick around for more content coming soon. And again, thank you all for listening.